Well, if you have your Bibles with you, or if you want to grab a pew Bible, you can go ahead and open to 2 Samuel chapter 12. That's our primary text for this morning is in 2 Samuel chapter 12. But before we dive too far in, I have to admit that this weekend was a rough weekend. It was a hard weekend for me. I started feeling like I was falling kind of back into my old self. Things that I know that the Lord has already begun to work out of me. Things that I know that the Lord has said that I need to put to rest. Doubts I've had. Questioning His goodness as a father. His goodness as God. I started questioning these things this past weekend. In fact, so much so that I had to just completely turn my phone off on Friday not be distracted and just get alone with God and figure out what is this darkness that is cropping up within my heart? Why am I turning back to old ways, old things, old sin that, that the Lord has already started working out of me, started moving away from me? But that happens to be the nature of sin. It always tries to creep its way back in, and it might not seem bad. It might not seem like it's much. I mean, what is a little bit of doubting the goodness of God? What is just a little bit of questioning, God, do you care? Are you listening? Are you here? But it could quickly snowball into Bigger and greater sin. That's the nature of sin is sin begets sin, which begets sin. And sin can only beget one thing, which is death. And so I was like, I'm putting an end to this. We're going to stop. We're going to slow down. And we're going to, I'm going to get with Jesus. I'm going I'm to work these things out with him over the course of a day and see where it leads because sin has this tendency to do much in our lives in a very negative way. And I only share that with you this morning, one, because I think it's important to confess. I think it's important that you realize that I am just as vulnerable as you are. And that I need God. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness just as much as you do. And this morning, we're actually returning to our series right before Lent on the character of God. We have two more characteristics of God that can be found in our Exodus 34 passage. And so I wanted us to return to those and finish out this series. And I want us to finish strong. And so in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 7, I want us to hear again who it is that God declares himself to be. This is those words. Then Yahweh descended in the cloud and stood there with him, speaking of Moses. And he called upon the name of Yahweh. Then Yahweh passed by in front of him and called out, Yahweh, Yahweh God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, 
who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. And so we hear once again from Yahweh himself, from the Lord God, who he declares himself to be. And we've already worked through several of these. We've worked through how God is immutable, how he never changes. We've talked about his transcendence and his imminence. We've talked about his loving kindness and his truthfulness. But the two characteristics we have left in this passage, the first is obvious and the second maybe not so much, which we'll get to next week. But the first is God is forgiving. It is within the very character and nature of God to forgive. He wants to forgive and he wants to offer his forgiveness toward us. He loves forgiving his children. He loves offering forgiveness for those who want to receive it. And so this morning, I ask you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12 because not only do we want to hear what God says about himself, we also want to see his character demonstrated in Scripture. And so we turn to 2 Samuel to see how God's forgiveness is at work in the lives of one of his own. And so hear these words from 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 13 this morning. Then Yahweh sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat his morsel of bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. Now a visitor came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan, As Yahweh lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. And he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of Yahweh by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. 
so now the sword shall never depart from your house. Because you have despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says Yahweh, behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives from before your sight and give them to your companion. And he will lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against Yahweh. And Nathan said to David, Yahweh has also taken away your sin. You shall not die. What a passage for us to be reading in church this morning as we Remember the story of David and Bathsheba. That's what happens just before this passage. You see, David looked upon another man's wife and desired her for his own. And he ended up committing adultery, but in order to do so, he had the husband of that woman put onto the front lines so that he would die in battle. And then she would be free for the taking. That's what David did. And this passage this morning is Nathan, the prophet, coming to David to tell him of his sin. And so I want us to dive into this passage and break it down and look at it part by part. The things that I think, are the most important for us to take away from it. And the very first thing is also one of my favorite things. In the very first verse of chapter 12 in 2 Samuel, it says, Then Yahweh sent Nathan to David. Yahweh sent Nathan to David. It's not that Nathan had heard about the sin of David and went on his own accord. It's not that anyone else sent Nathan because they had heard what David had done. It was that the creator God who had done all these things for David, Yahweh himself, sent Nathan to David. And what I think is so significant about that is that God cares so much about how sin enters into our lives that he is willing and desires to send someone to call us out on it. God loves us so much that he will send a messenger to call us out of our sinfulness, out of the darkness and in to his marvelous light. It's my hope that every Sunday you have the opportunity to maybe hear something in your life that God himself is calling you away from. Maybe there is something that you haven't been able to get over, some darkness, some some sinfulness. And I'm not saying that in order to be condemning or judgmental, but it's an offering from Yahweh himself to put people in your life 
who will speak to you about your wrongdoings. The problem often becomes when we hear from somebody who wants to speak to us, somebody that we love and that we trust, who we've put our, our faith in to speak kindly to us, sometimes we recoil from hearing about the sin in our lives. We don't want to hear how we are sinful. We don't want to hear about the darkness within us. We don't want to hear about our wrongdoings. We want to believe that our wrongdoings, they really aren't that bad. We really want to believe that when we sin, it's really not that big of a deal. It's okay if I do it every once in a while. A white lie doesn't really hurt anybody. But what happens when that white lie becomes six or seven white lies, which turn into one big lie, and then you start forgetting all the lies that you've told and then it ends up in one massive lie that really does hurt somebody. Hurts a family member, hurts a friend. Hurts somebody that has never heard the gospel of Jesus. And now they're not going to be able to receive it from you because of your own words. I open this morning by sharing about sin that started creeping into my own life this past weekend because I want you to know that you're not alone. And even as we read this story this morning, King David, remember this is a man who is after God's own heart, was still culpable of sin, was still capable of sin. You're not alone in this story and journey and walk in life. But even more so, you have a God who is willing to call it out. He will send people into your life to help point you down the right path. Yahweh sent Nathan to David. I'm reminded of Romans 2, 4, which asks the questions, don't you know, do you not know that it is God's loving kindness that brings you to repentance? It is the very loving kindness of God sending someone into your life that will lead you to repentance. And so as we continue reading the story, we ha hear how Yahweh sent Nathan to David. He begins by telling a story. He tells David the story of a poor man and a rich man and how this rich man wrongs the poor man. And what does the passage say to us in verse 5? It tells us then, after hearing this story of what the rich man had done, David's anger burned greatly against the man. David's anger burned greatly against the man. Why is that important? Why is that significant? Does your anger burn in the space of sin? Does your Anger, hurt for the darkness within you. 
Do you long to root sin out of your life? David was angry because he heard of this wrongdoing and he knew it was a great sin against that poor man. This you who he loved, who he had taken care of, that he had raised, that had become like a daughter to him, was stolen and slaughtered by somebody else. Its life was taken. And here, David was angry for the sake of a man and an animal. And yet, it is proof positive of the anger that should burn within us all towards sin, not just in our lives, but in our world. There is no place for sin in the life of the believer. David was angry. He was so angry about this sin that had occurred. So much so that he says, as Yahweh lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. That's a pretty harsh judgment, a pretty harsh condemnation toward this man that had taken the you in the story. And before David even knew it, he was speaking judgment about himself. Because then we learn in verse 7, and then Nathan says to David, you are the man. You are the one who stole the you. You are the one who slaughtered the husband. You are the one who sinned greatly. And then Yahweh continues to pronounce this judgment over David. And here's what I want us to understand and to really hone in on as a part of this passage is that part of who God is is that in his holiness that sin stands no place in his presence. Sin has no place in the presence of the almighty and holy God. And so when he starts pronouncing this judgment against David, it's really a judgment against all who have sinned. It's an understanding that that sin is something that is unacceptable to Yahweh. Even says, I did these things for you. I anointed you king. I delivered you from Saul. I gave you the house. I gave you the people. I gave you the kingdom. And this is what you do for me? You kill a man and take his wife? The sword will never depart from your house because how you have despised me. I'll raise up evil against you. I will do all these things before all of Israel. And it came to be. 
David's own son slept with his wives publicly. God, as we'll learn next week even deeper, is a just God. Sin requires payment. But here's the good news in the story for me and for you is that though God cannot allow sin to enter into his kingdom before his presence, he's also a God who forgives. And he loves to forgive his children. And so how does this happen? In verse 13, it first begins by David saying to Nathan, I have sinned against Yahweh. I have sinned against Yahweh. We have to realize and recognize that we have sinned against our God. Any time that we sin, our sin is against him and him alone. In fact, Psalm 51 goes deeper into David's repentance to the Lord. In fact, how does David begin? He says, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the abundance of your compassion, blot out my transgression. David doesn't make an appeal to the things that he has done for God. He doesn't make an appeal to God for all the works that he's accomplished in the kingdom. He doesn't make an appeal to God about who he is as the king. He makes an appeal to God on one basis, on God. When we come to the Lord in a moment of repentance, don't make it about you. Make it about him. Make it about who he is and what he has done and what he has accomplished and what he's willing to do for you and for me in our lives. Because he is gracious, he's a God of loving kindness. We've already worked through Exodus 34, 5 through 7. These are the things that God is. These are the things that God desires to be for you in your life. Appeal to him on that basis. And so maybe we can call this also a lesson in how do we repent to receive the forgiveness of God. Appeal to him for his loving kindness and his graciousness to blot out your transgression. Continuing in verse 2 in Psalm 51, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. I think that's important. Are you aware of the sin in your own life? Are you aware that it exists, that it's there? That you have a responsibility in your own life to know what your sins are and how they're affecting you and how they're affecting your relationship with the Father. Dare I read this quote from Charles Spurgeon because it's harsh. But I think it's good and I think it gets to the heart of even what David is saying in Psalm 51. Charles Spurgeon says this, he says, I do not believe that any sinner is ever forgiven until he consents 
in his soul to the justice of God. If he never should be forgiven, he must know that he is a sinner and that his sin is an exceedingly is exceedingly evil, a bitter thing for which he deserves to be sent to hell. And when he reaches that point, then pardon will come to him. I might not have said it that way, but I'm glad Charles Spurgeon did. I'm glad that Charles Spurgeon had the courage to say such harsh truth to us that maybe we can't even be pardoned until we understand the fullness of what an offense our sin is to God. That's why in verse 4 of Psalm 51, David says, it's against you and you only that I have sinned and what I have done is evil in your sight. I don't think that David is downplaying the fact that he sinned against Uriah by having him murdered or that he sinned against Bathsheba by stealing her and having her husband murdered on the battlefield. But what it is saying is that there is one who is greater that David sinned against. He sinned against Yahweh himself. You might be asking, well, how is that a sin against Yahweh? Because David lost sight of the one who he loved He lost sight of the one who his heart was after. He lost sight of the very fact that God is the one who gave the commands. Not Bathsheba, Uriah, not even David himself. It's not about what David believes to be right or wrong. It's about what God believes to be right or wrong. And so when he sinned, he sinned because he lost sight of what was right in front of him. In fact, if you go back to 2 Samuel and you read through that passage, it actually says that it is because you fail to obey the word of God that you have done this evil. It is because of your disobedience to Yahweh that you were able to sin against Uriah and against Bathsheba. And so we learn that this sinfulness is an offense to the very person of God. And so all our sin we must recognize as an evil in his sight. And so what do we do about it? How do we respond to this sin that we have? We know that we were born with it. He said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. But behold, you delight in truth in the innermost being. In the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Purify me and wash me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The path to forgiveness leads in heartfelt repentance. God will not despise a contrite heart. In fact, it is his kindness, as we've already said for Romans 2.4, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's knowing that, that our God longs to forgive us, that in his loving kindness, he wants to extend his grace and his mercy to us to forgive 
rather than to condemn and to judge. Our God is a forgiving God. And so as David repents, then we hear Yahweh's reply back in verse 13 from 2 Samuel 12. And Nathan said to David, Yahweh also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. You see, the punishment for an adulterer in the Old Testament was death. He was to be put to death, but God washes over that in his forgiveness and says, David, you're not going to die. Yes, there is going to be a consequence for your sin. These things are going to happen because I am a just God, but death will not come to you because the wages of sin is death, but you have been forgiven. David was forgiven, and so we too have been forgiven in the sight of God for all who believe. This is the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That when he hung on that cross, he became the propitiation, the absolution for our sin, so that God might extend his hand of forgiveness to you and to me. But what does that mean for us to receive such a gift? Paul says in Romans 6, But what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died in sin sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. My friends, my family, turn away from sin wherever it may appear to you. No matter how small or how great, the Lord wants to extend forgiveness, but he wants you to be led to repentance by his kindness. He wants you to be able to see and recognize those spots in your life that still need transformation. We all still need transformation until the moment we see Jesus face to face. Maybe for some it's an issue of pride. Maybe pride begets you and you want to hold on to the fact that you're always right. Well, you're not. But it's okay. Neither am I. And I want to be. (laughs) But God is. Maybe you have troubles with controlling your finances and there's this maybe a little bit of greed within you and you're just always trying to figure out how can I make the next dollar, the next buck? Or how can I spend all this money that I don't have? Maybe God wants to walk into your life and offer you forgiveness so that you can step out of that. I don't know what it is that you're going through, but he does, and he is sending someone to you out of his kindness to pull you out of the darkness and into his light. In fact, that you might too, verse 4 of Romans 6, might walk in newness of life, a life that is so much greater, so much grander, so much better 
than the life you've been living because of the sin that has been hidden in your own heart. Let God today come and step into your life and work it out of you so that you may enter into this newness and fullness of what Jesus has to offer. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you are a forgiving God and you long to forgive your children if we would just turn to you in repentance, allow ourselves to be changed and transformed to live in the newness of life. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.